0: Good morning, welcome you as we join in the worship and praise of God, welcome whether you're here with us in the building, welcome whether you're joining us online and I'd like to give a special welcome to Tim, thank you for coming up and bringing God's word and ministering to us today. Just to focus our minds as we come to worship our God, I'm going to read a few verses from Colossians about the preeminence of Christ so just 5 verses from colossians 1 and it's all about the preeminence of Christ he's the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's the Saviour, that's Jesus who we're coming to worship, the first in everything that there is. Shall we stand as we sing our, our first song, our first hymn, which is, By faith we see the hand of God.
1: You. I'm going to read from the word of God now as we find it in Genesis and chapter 22 Genesis chapter 22 I'm going to read from verse 1 uh, through to 19 Genesis 22 After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. and said to him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. We thank God for his word and pray for his blessing upon it.
0: Thank you, Tim. Now, children, after our second hymn, um, Mark is going to be doing the children's talk, so come and find a... I think there'll be plenty of spaces today of children are on holiday, so come and find a space up the front after the hymn. Now, in one of the servants' songs in Isaiah 53, it says about Jesus, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. That's very much the, the subject of our, our, next, our next song, our next hymn. Which is, O to see the dawn of the darkest day. Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men. Torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood. And Can I just read the chorus, Joe? This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. Let's stand and sing when the music starts.
2: good morning good morning oh it's a small little crowd today isn't it there's a few more children spread around though as well and hopefully this will be useful for the adults as well this is the question that we're thinking about this morning what do you really want I'll just give you a few seconds and I'll give the adults a few seconds as well to think about what do you really want maybe something comes into your mind straight away I think when I was your age I would have loved something like this so not those things specifically but a website filled with toys I, websites weren't around when I was a little kid but imagine this and there's another website another page as well filled with toys imagine that imagine you could just have anything you want on these websites full of toys <gasps> that'd be pretty cool wouldn't it maybe some of you are looking at it and thinking god that'd be fun or maybe you're thinking I would love to be with my friends to be having fun with my friends, to be playing with my friends, or maybe being with family. Maybe that's what you really want. You know, last night, I was watching a bit of MasterChef, and I was feeling hungry. And guess what I wanted? I wanted the food. Not all of it. Some of it was undercooked and a bit rubbish, but some of it, I thought, Oof, that looks good. I had to go out and get something. Because I really wanted food. That was what I wanted. Now, keep in mind what you want. And, uh, it's heavy why why is this relevant at the moment it's not connected so I can't get in trouble what's uh what's relevant about this at the moment yeah there is a hose pipe ban so it doesn't mean we can't have them it means we can't use them and why is there a hose pipe ban what's going on at the moment yeah go on again there's, there's there's hardly been any rain now this week there's been a bit But there hasn't been much rain at all recently, has there? And that's because we're in a drought, there you go, officially a drought across large parts of England. Look how dry it is. And here's a picture, maybe you've seen a lot of fields like that. The fields down there looked a bit like that last week. Look really dry, really brown, not much green stuff around. Look at that, it's just so dry, isn't it? And there you go, a view of Ardingly Reservoir. Look how low it looks, you can see where the waters normally is. Look how dry it is and so we've got a hose pipe ban we're not allowed to use hose pipe because they use lots and lots of water but Pete would you be able to get me a glass of water is that okay now let's imagine there was a really severe drought didn't have rain for a long time imagine it looks something like this okay you're in a wilderness or a, drought, uh, a desert or maybe the ground starts looking like that or like this And the streams start drying up. Now, thankfully, we don't have it like that, do we? Too bad. But even though we're in a drought at the moment, I've just asked for a glass of water. And look, here it comes. Look at that, fresh out the tap. Beautiful, thank you very much. And there we have it, water. Yep. Pretty good. And if I was really thirsty, that'd be great. Imagine if I said to Pete, imagine if I said, please could you get me a glass of water? And he went out to the kitchen and he came running back in. I'm sorry. There's no water. I was oh no. So imagine we go over to John and Esther's house and we turn on the taps and no water comes out. And then you go home later and you turn on the taps and there's no water. You start panicking a little bit, wouldn't you? I mean, especially, let's imagine we got to tomorrow morning and there's still no water and you're asking all your friends and they didn't have water you start getting a bit desperate, wouldn't you? And soon, water would be the thing that you'd want more than anything else. You'd really want some of this water. Now, David, he was in the desert. He was in a drought. And it might have looked a bit like, like this. And this is what he wanted more than anything else. He was really thirsty. He was tired. Look at what he wanted more than anything else. He says, God, you are my God." I want to follow you. That's what he wanted more than anything else. And how much did he want to follow God, to be with God? How much did he want it? I'll show you. My whole being, everything, all of me, thirsts for you like a man in a dry, empty land where there's no water. So some of you have been really hot recently because it's been so toasty, hasn't it? You've been desperate for water. Imagine if you couldn't get water. Imagine how much you'd want it. And David says, that's how much I want to follow God. My whole being, I'm desperate to follow God and to be with God. Because he says later in this psalm, he says that God's love is better than life. That's how good it is. And that's my prayer for you. I want you to want God more than anything else in life. Because that's how you'll be truly happy and satisfied. And that's my prayer for all of us as adults as well and for myself. As we go into this year ahead, and another sort of second half of the year, that's what we want is for, to want God more than anything else. Lovely. Thanks so well. Thanks for listening so well.
0: Thank you, Mark. Or shall we, we come to our God in prayer? Let's, let's, let's pray. Father God, as we come into your presence, we ask for your help to pray. We pray that you would save us from distracting thoughts that might come into our mind. We pray that you would help us to truly focus on you, to truly worship you to bring you our praise and our thanks. And we thank you for that reminder from Mark that as we've had this hot weather, as we've appreciated having water, firstly we want to thank you for the good things you give us. We want to thank you for water that keeps us alive, for the food that you give us. But we pray that As we've enjoyed water, as we've looked for water to be refreshed, we would have that same desire for you. That we would want you in our lives, that we would want the things that you want. We pray that you would show us yourself. We pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray for his work, we pray for his transforming power. In each of our lives, Lord, as we read your work, read your word on a daily basis, as your word is opened up to us today, we pray that He would be active, Lord, helping us to hear what your word is saying, helping us to see what you have to say to us in our lives, and we pray that our lives would be changed. Lord, we live in a a world which tempts us away from you. We live in a world that wants to distract us, or shows us all kinds of things that are nice, and all kinds of things that are wrong. We pray that you would help us to live our lives the way you want us to in your word. We pray that you would be there guiding us, filling us with your wisdom. May we look to you for help in our lives to do that. Lord, we pray for for help and that we would be kept from the power of sin in our lives. Lord, those of us that know you, those of us that love you, those of us that come before you in peace because of what the Lord Jesus has done, we thank you for his willingness to take our punishment on the cross. And we ask and, and we pray that we would love you more for what you have done for us. But we also ask that if any here do not know you, if any here do not know you as their saviour, haven't come to you and ask for the forgiveness of the wrong they have done. If they don't realise the effects that sin has in their life in cutting off a relationship from you, we pray that today you would work. Your Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin, would show them their need of you, Lord Jesus, as a saviour, and would open their eyes to see. And Lord, that's what we ask, that's what we pray as Tim brings your word to us, that we would see clearer and better what your word teaches us from that chapter in Genesis 22. Lord God, we also bring before you our individual lives, Lord, you look down, you know each of us, you know uh, the things that make us happy that you' have given us. you know the things that challenge us in life and give us difficulty and concern, and we pray that each of us would be able to bring our joys to you with a thankful heart praising you for your goodness Lord, and where where the effects of sin affect us, Lord, we pray that we would come to you and ask for help. Now, we do live in a fallen world. We do live in a world where things have gone wrong and our lives are affected by that. But we pray that we would be able to cast our concerns and give them to you, looking to you for help and for comfort in difficult times. Lord, we we pray for those who have had life-changing circumstances. We pray for those who have recently been married. And we ask that you would be with them in their married lives. We pray that you would be part uh, of their lives in a big way. Lord, we pray for those who have recently gone into a home. And we ask that you would be with them where they are. Help them as they adjust to new circumstances. Lord, may they realise that and may they fill you with them. Lord, as close to them in that new home as you were to them in their old house. Father God, we, we want to thank you. We have recently had exam results. Lord, we pray for those who've had results. We ask that you would be with them as they make decisions in their life, whether it's in relationship to uni or whether it's going to work. We pray that they would be looking to you for guidance as they take their next step in life. And, We commit to you those who are expecting results this week and help them and guide them as they make decisions on what to do depending on what their results are. But help them to see that you are the one. Look, they need most of all. Lord, there are many opportunities in life and we thank you for that. But no opportunity trumps knowing you as their saviour. Father God, we think of of things further afield, and we commit to you the work in Cyprus. And We ask that you would be there this Lord's Day. We ask that you would be with those who are taking the services, who have taken the services, that that lives would have been affected by what you have taught them. We pray for James and Rachel and for their family here in England at this time, and we pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would refresh them. Lord, and we pray that, that they would see fruit from their labours for you, Lord, in Cyprus. We commit to you the ongoing war in Ukraine. And on that horrible situation, we ask that in your mercy you would be gracious and that wars would cease, that peace would prevail, that lives would no longer be lost because of man's sin. Lord, we thank you that we come to you as a God who, if it is your will, can change and can stop wars. We ask for believers who are in Ukraine and who are in Russia too. We ask that you would be a comfort to them, that they would be strengthened by them. And we ask that you would bless them. We also commit to you, as we're in our holiday season, um, those who are having a break whether that's a break from work and they're staying at home, or whether they are going away, we pray that in whatever circumstances they are in, that they would find refreshment. And Lord, not only physically, but refreshment spiritually too. So Father God, as we come to hear your word, once again we commit to, him to you. Lord, we ask again that the Holy Spirit... We'll take what he has to say and our lives will be impacted and changed by your words. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before Tim comes and preaches to us, we're going to sing our, our third hymn, which is all about uh, the Father's love to us. How deep the Father's love to us, how vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And let's stand with the music.
1: have your Bibles, you may want to turn to Genesis chapter 22. And our text from God this morning in his word is Genesis 22 verse 8. Genesis 22 and verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. I'm going to look at this uh, passage and this text under the title of uh, Knowing God's Love. There used to be a midday radio program broadcast by the BBC uh, at 1.45 every day called Listen with Mother. And one of the presenters, uh, Julia Lang, coined the phrase, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. I won't ask you to put your hand up if you ever listen to that program, but I'm sure that there are many of you, although it's not yet one forty five, who are not sitting comfortably. You're quite uncomfortable. And you're uncomfortable because of this story in Genesis 22. But I do need to begin. And I will begin. You might be uncomfortable as... Uh, The father of one of my old Sunday school teachers uh, used to be uncomfortable when I first came to Eastbourne. um, There was an old lady who was an energetic Sunday school teacher, but her father never ever went to the church. He refused to go to the church because of this story in the Bible. He it made him very uncomfortable. It made him very angry, and he refused to go to church if that kind of thing is in the Bible and he was not alone, and uh, maybe you're uncomfortable with this story of God calling upon Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering. But before you turn away uh, from God, from the church, from the Bible, from attending church, before you turn away from uh, listening to this passage I want you to uh, be good and generous and pause for a little while to think. When this incident happened, uh, Abraham was not a hot-headed, foolish spring chicken. He was an older man. He was a very deep thinker and he was a very... Great man of faith. He had a profound faith. And this incident is actually the pinnacle of his faith. The writer in the New Testament of the book of James, uh, James the Lord's brother, he points out this incident and the practical uh, thing that Abraham did as a vindication of Abraham's whole life of faith. This proved the reality of Abraham's faith and it proved the reality of the the salvation that he enjoyed. The writer to the Hebrews gives us a little insight as to what was going on in the mind of Abraham as he walked those three days from where he was uh, camped, Beersheba, up to uh, Mount Moriah. And our text captures something of the heart of the whole matter. God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. God was testing Abraham's faith, not testing him in an evil way. Uh, God doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. To be evil, to think evil, to say evil. God doesn't tempt any man with evil. He can't be tempted, but he does test people. He tests the reality of a person's faith. No one would criticize an experienced goldsmith for refining their gold, washing it through different acid baths to extract impurities, and then heating it in the crucible to... 1400 degrees centigrade and pouring it out as sort of 99.7% pure gold. No one would criticise a goldsmith for doing that. That's his business. And no one should criticise God for refining a person's faith. It's God's business to bring us to faith, to refine our faith, to fix our hope, our trust in him, to uh, superglue us to himself in this reality of faith, the genuineness of faith, Peter tells us is much more precious than gold that's tried with fire there's nothing more precious than the genuineness, the reality of faith and what God is doing here in Genesis 22 is refining Abraham's faith he'd done it in the past purified it, did it again purified it and this incidence, then Abraham's faith is almost being purified to 99.7%. Pure faith. Astonishing faith. And this incident is completely different to the later development of the religious life in Canaan where they worshipped idols and behind the idols there were demons. Demons who were interested in And thirsty for blood, and to whom the people offered human sacrifices. This is a world away from that. Never link the two as compatible in your mind. They're a complete contrast. God was taking Abraham's faith to a deeper understanding, a deeper level of his own love, and the length to which his own love, his divine love would go in order to honour the promises that he had made. And as we come to this incident Mount Moriah, I'm sure that Abraham's faith was being churned over, tested, stretched, developed, And as he went away from Mount Moriah, he went away amazed, astonished, rejoicing and glorying in the astonishing love of God. And that's what I want us to do, to come to this account, to see something of the astonishing love of God. This morning... God will impart faith to someone. And this morning, if you already have faith, then God would take you forward and take me forward in our faith. He may have begun that process already in the prayer, changing circumstances of life, testing circumstances of life. Circumstances in which faith is being called upon uh, to be exercised. And faith is carried forward as we reflect upon God's Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing, by the word of Christ, Paul tells us in Romans 10:17. So as we look at this incident together, I want us to have a, a mutual growth in faith, or, if it's in your case, a birth of faith. So I want us to look at three things: Abraham's journey of faith. That will put this incident in its context. And then Isaac pointing us to Jesus Christ. And that's what God was doing to Abraham, using Isaac to point Abraham to Christ. And lastly, God's verdict on Abraham, which can then be modified by us And echoed by us as we speak about God and his love. So three things. Abraham's journey of faith, to put this story in context. Isaac pointing us to Christ and God's verdict on Abraham. And I realize that uh, in my notes, there's a massive section on Abraham's journey of faith. So don't be discouraged. Uh, The three points are not equally long. Abraham's journey of faith. Whether Abraham went to school or not, I'm sure that he learned of a world-changing event that happened 200 years before he was born. Just 200 years. The great human project for unity and security. The building of the tower of Babel, the gate to God, or the city of confusion as it became. Let us build ourselves a city. The tower is going to reach the heavens, its top is going to be up there, level with God, and who knows, maybe above God. We're going to build ourselves a city with this temple tower, and we're going to make a name for ourselves. And we're going to be secure. This is all so that we don't get scattered across the face of the world as God wants us to be scattered across the face of the world. It was man's plan and it was a disaster. The plan failed because it left God out and defied him and God came down and confused the languages of the workmen so they couldn't understand each other The project was abandoned and the tower fell into disrepair. Just 200 years before Abraham and uh, who knows, maybe just 200 miles away from where he lived. When Abraham was 75, God came down again to speak to him. And after a lifetime of worshipping idols, the living God who'd come down and dispersed the people from the Tower of Babel, spoke to Abraham about his great plan for the unity and the security of humanity. Abraham was not to settle in the plain. He was to move, leave, leave Ur of the Chaldees. And God says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. He would be blessed. His name would be great. And through him and his descendants, all the nations of the world would be blessed. So in Genesis 11, you get man's plan. In Genesis 12, you get God's plan. And Abraham, faith was born. He believed God, he left Er of the Chaldees, he left idolatry and began to worship the living God and follow him. And then his faith is carried forward in stages, in spurts as you like, if you like, of, of growth in faith. It's a bit like us in our experience. We can have a, a burst of growth spiritually and then it dampens down and then there's another burst of of faith growth and then it dampens down, and then another burst. Well, that's how it was with Abraham, these sort of surges forward in faith as God was teaching him. He learned by making mistakes, unbelieving, faithless courses of action which had consequences. And he learned about that, and his faith grew. He learned that Sarah was important in God's plan. He learned that he would be a blessing to all the nations in his great rescue of Lot when Kedalaroma had come down the side of Jordan and swept the nations in front of him and gone up the other side of Jordan, sweeping the nations and taking Lot. Well, none of the nations could stand against this Kedalaroma and his allies. But Abraham became a blessing to all these defeated nations, and Abraham defeated Aroma and restored everybody. Everyone was restored. It's a kind of a picture of the blessing that would come later through Abraham's descendants. All the nations of the world will be blessed through one of Abraham's descendants. God developed Abraham's faith after that rescue. It was a worrying time for Abraham. Been on a military campaign. There was lots of hardware, of military character. And uh, his allies were helping themselves to this great weaponry. You know, we have never seen anything like this. Look at this. This missile thrower. This, Look at these. And they were collecting them and Abraham had vowed to God, I won't take any of it. And so his neighbours were being armed to the teeth with fresh military equipment. And there's Abraham not picking up a piece of it. And God comes to him. He says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. And your reward is going to be exceedingly great. But Abraham had been taught by God, through you and your descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So he spoke to God and said, Lord God, it's lovely that you're talking about being my shield. giving me an exceeding great reward but it's all a little meaningless without an heir all the promises depend upon the heir and you haven't given me the heir the son and heir of all these promises so they're not going to work until I get the heir and the person who's going to be the heir is Eliezer from Damascus not even related to me he's just my chief servant and God says to him Abraham it's not Eliezer who's going to be your heir Your heir is going to be your child. And then God gives him a sort of visual aid to help his faith. Comes out. He went out last night to see the sky. Uh, The skies above Eastbourne were clear last night. There's beautiful stars. And uh, God takes Abraham out under the night sky. Do you want to be sure about this, Abraham? That I'm going to shield you I'm going to make sure your reward is great. Look at the stars and start counting them. How far have we got Abraham? 300. And then as you've been looking, you've seen others come into sight. Have another go. It's impossible. And God says to Abraham, You're going to have a descendant. And from him, more descendants. And they will be as uncountable as the number of stars in the sky. And then we read, Abraham believed God. He believed the promise. God would be his shield. He would shield him from all his enemies. And if God is his shield from all his enemies... That would be pointless if then God himself turned on Abraham and slew him and destroyed him for his own sin. No, when God said to Abraham, I am your shield, he meant not only am I going to shield you from all your enemies, you're shielded from all my wrath against your sin. And Abraham believed Abraham believed God would shield him, not only from his enemies, but shield this sinful, ungodly Abraham, even from God's holy, just wrath. And the promise would be sure because God had just told him, your descendants are going to be as innumerable as the stars in the sky. Abraham believed God, and we're told that at that moment, God credited Abraham with righteousness, shielded him with righteousness. Nothing could touch Abraham because God was his shield in every conceivable way. Well, that was very wonderful. But the years went by. Still no sun. Still no sun and heir. Still the promises, not even the, the first twinkling star of a sun and heir shone through. So Abraham and Sarah did a human thing and try to solve the problem in a human way. Sarah said to Abraham, You can do what the, everybody does around here if they can't have children that the, the wife gives a servant to the husband and he has a child by her, and then that child is adopted by the wife, and then he becomes a son. Of you could do that, Abraham. And Abraham follows Sarah's advice. So, Ishmael is born, a son, Abraham's son, surely an heir, an heir to these promises. And he grows up into a nice young man, and Abraham's heart loves him, rejoices in him. But that is not the son and heir of the promise. It's not the son and the heir from the power of God. It's not the son and heir whom, in God's plan, it's the son and heir in human methods and powers. And so God comes and he says to Abraham, you know, Sarah is going to have a son and salvation will come through Sarah's child. Abraham laugh, laughs at that, first of all, and then a year later, when Sarah gets to hear about it, she laughs. It's ridiculous. How can someone who's 100 years old, or thereabouts, 99, and his, his wife is 90 and never been able to have children all her life, how is it that she is going to have a son? And God tells him, He's stretching his faith, He's drawing out his faith. Is anything too hard for God? Anything too hard for the Lord? And they believe. Sarah believes God is going to do it. Abraham believes God is going to do it. And in faith, they do what is necessary in order for a child to be conceived. And the power of God brings about the conception in Sarah of this promised son and heir of all the promises The son who's going to be the source of Abraham's shield. The son who's going to be the channel through which all that great reward is going to come to Abraham. And there's such laughter, such joy when Isaac is born. This is the child of the promise. This is the child provided by the power of God. And the child grows through those difficult, dangerous years of early infancy. When no doubt there is many mortalities, but this child comes through to the age when it's no longer dependent on his mother's milk. And it's a great celebration, a celebration for the the weaning of the child, Isaac. Everybody is happy, everybody is laughing. Even Ishmael is laughing, but Sarah detects the reality behind Ishmael's laughter. Ishmael, the, as it were, displaced son and heir, the son and heir of human ingenuity and not divine promise and power, he despises Sarah and Isaac, just as Hagar had despised Sarah in the past. And Sarah sees this scornful laughter of Ishmael and orders Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son, they can't be heirs with Isaac. Now Abraham loved Ishmael. His heart had grown up and become entwined around Ishmael. And it grieved him to think of sending Ishmael away. But God said to Abraham, do what Sarah says, because think of the plan Ishmael is the product of human effort and ingenuity he cannot be heir with Isaac part of God's plan, God's salvation God's power and so Ishmael is sent away And then Isaac grows. The son and heir. The one who's going to provide the shield for Abraham. The one through whom God is going to honour all his promises. Everything hangs upon this little boy as he grows up. It is then, as he is perhaps just entering his teenage years, that God tests Abraham's faith and said to him, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I will tell you. the son that you have given so miraculously so wonderful you want me to give him back to you the 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 son who is the the fountain and the source of all the promised blessings you want me to burn him in a curse-bearing sacrifice abraham has to process these things. It's faith in the crucible. God testing the faith of Abraham. And Abraham works through uh, in his mind. Here is the child who is to be the guarantee of God being my shield. And God wants me to offer him As a burnt offering where there's no shield away from God's curse coming down. Abraham, in faith, the next morning saddled the donkey, had the wood, had the fire, had his son, had his two servants, and they walked together. And the writer of the Hebrews tells us what was going on in his mind. He was thinking, This is the child provided by the power of God. I was as dead as could be reproductively, Sarah was as dead as could be in terms of reproduction. It was total death, but God, by His power, brought life so that we could have this child, the child of the promise the child of God's plan and if God is telling me now to sacrifice this child then the God whose power gave life to Sarah and life to me so that we could give life to Isaac, he will have to raise this child from the dead and I believe he will that's what The writer of the Hebrews tells us Abraham concluded. His faith being tested, being developed, being drawn out, and reaching this point. The God whose plan it is to shield me, to reward me, and to bless the nations of the world through this son and heir is now asking me to offer him in sacrifice. He will have to raise him from the dead because God is the God who will honour his sacrifice, honour his promises. When God made a covenant with Abraham earlier in Genesis chapter 15, you read that to make the covenant, they, they did what they call they cut the covenant. They would have animals that they would sacrifice. They would cut the animals in half, one half over here, one half over there. You read about it in Jeremiah, the cutting of a covenant. And the people who are making the pledges, the promises, They would walk between the cut portions of the sacrifice. And they were passing through the cut portions of the sacrifice with saying, if I do not honour my promises, let me be cut asunder, just like these have been cut asunder. Or, I will honour my promises even if it means I have to be cut asunder. But I will honor the covenant promise. This is what God was teaching Abraham. And Abraham takes Isaac, his son, with him. And we have the picture, father and son. Son carrying the wood, the father carrying the fire and the knife to the place of execution. Place of testing. And the question, Father, behold the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God has provided in the past this sun and air. God would provide. And they come to the place and we see it answered. Abraham builds the altar, puts the wood upon it, ready for the consuming flames to be fueled. He lays Isaac on the altar takes the knife and then the angel stops him now I know that you fear me because you've not withheld your son your only son the son you love from me and Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horn And he offered the the ram in the place of Isaac. Now, that was Abraham's faith, his journey of faith. And the, the offering of Isaac is in the context of his whole journey of faith, this journey where the plan and the purpose of God is to bring salvation, to bring protection to Abraham and to reward Abraham. And it all comes about through the promised son and heir. And Abraham's faith is developed and taken forward. The only way heavenly blessing could come would be for heaven's curse to be taken away. And the very one who is the fountain and source of the blessing, the sun and heir, would have to be the bearer of the curse to take it away. That's what God is teaching Abraham. But he's teaching Abraham look to Jesus Christ. Ishmael becomes a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, the miraculously born, given son, impossibly, as it were, in human terms, conceived in the the womb of Mary by the power of the highest God, the high God, the only God. And as this child grows and grows and grows He's beloved of the father this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased the love of the father for the son everlasting love deeper than you and I can know deepest, the deepest uh, bonds of the trinity go the father's love and then you see just like a mirror image of Abraham and Isaac making their way to Mount Moriah. Isaac carrying the wood, Abraham the knife and the fire. You see Jesus carrying his cross. You see the Father carrying, as it were, the consuming fire of his wrath, the stretched-out sword of his vengeance, and they make their way to practically exactly the same place. Mount Moriah was where the temple was built Later on, and in all likelihood, it was built on this very spot where Abraham offered Isaac. And Isaac is a picture of Jesus Christ. There's not a, a hint in the passage that Isaac put up any struggle against Abraham. Abraham's an old man, over a 100, maybe 115. Isaac, a teenager, just entering into his strength, could easily have wrestled free and ran away. Abraham could not have possibly caught up with him. But the willingness of Isaac to be bound and laid on the wood, the shared faith that Ishmael must have had with Abraham, it's a picture to us of the Lord Jesus Christ, united with the Father in this great plan of salvation for mankind, to be their shield and protector. And the Lord Jesus Christ offers no resistance as he carries his cross to Calvary. Led like a lamb to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He lays his hands on the cross to be nailed there. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He's lifted up on Calvary. There was no voice from the Father's heart saying, stop. No chorus of angels saying to the Father and the Son, stop. Enough, you've proved enough. And so At Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, the fountain of all blessing, comes the recipient of all curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. And the Lord Jesus Christ, to to be our shield, is hung unshielded from God's wrath. And it falls upon him so that anyone who shelters behind him is shielded while he himself is unshielded from that divine vengeance. My Father, the wood, I know you have the sword of your vengeance and the fire of your consuming wrath in your hand. Your will be done. And so at Calvary God's great plan to shield you from sin to shield me from sin to shield us from his divine wrath is come to fruition as the Son and Heir Supreme is crucified bearing shame and Scoffing, rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon by his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. At the end of this account, God says to Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now I know, beyond all shadow of doubt, the reality of your faith. Now the Apostle Paul uses the same kind of language to describe the love of God. He says, the Holy Spirit pours out in our hearts the enjoyment of the love of God. And how does the Spirit pour in our hearts the sense of the reality and the genuineness, the authenticity of the love of God? He says, well, look. Look what the Spirit tells you about. It tells you about Jesus and Calvary. That God did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, weak, helpless, enemies, rebellious, while we were still like that, in love, God didn't spare his own son. And so just as God could say to Abraham, now I know beyond all shadow of a doubt that you fear me because you've not withheld your son, your only son, Isaac, from me, We can echo that by saying, now we know, great, glorious, holy God, now we know, beyond all shadow of a doubt, that you love us because you have not withheld your own son, your beloved son, but you've delivered him up at Calvary for us. This account is nothing to do with Demonic kind of God who's bloodthirsty and wants humans to be sacrificed to him. Absolutely not. This is the account of a God who loves human beings and wants to shield them and protect them and bless them through all eternity. But the only way he can do it is by his son being our shield and defender. His son being exposed to the divine wrath, just like those plates on the returning Apollo spaceships, those atonement plates, which take all the heat as it returns into the atmosphere to protect the astronauts on board. So the Lord Jesus Christ bears all the wrath, all the heat of divine vengeance, because God in love will honour his plan, guarantee his purpose of being a shield and the fountain of blessing to Abraham and his descendants after him. Are you a person who has faith in this God? God's plan of salvation. Faith in this God of such love that he's put beyond all shadow of a doubt at Calvary when the son carried the wood of his cross and the father the fire and knife of his vengeance and there was no one to say stop because God would go through with his promise in order to honour his promise. He would endure this so that you could be forgiven. I could be forgiven. You could be shielded from even God's wrath for all eternity. When Abraham believed it, God treated him as righteous, shielded, safe. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Crucified to be your savior. Are you shielded, safe, For all eternity. Be like Abraham returning from Mount Moriah. God Himself will provide a lamb to be this shielding sacrifice. And there the ram was. But as Jesus said about Abraham, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And I'm sure as Abraham made his way from what would in the future be so close to the Mount of Crucifixion, as he made his way home, he was so rejoicing. God will provide, it's not my son Isaac, God will provide his own son. And give him to be the burnt offering. To bear the curse so that the blessing could flow. What joy he had on his way home. Will you go home rejoicing? Because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Proved his love. Demonstrated his love. So may we all shelter in that love and trust him. And his son, Jesus Christ, to be our saviour. And to bless us with forgiveness. Let's pray and then we'll sing our closing hymn. Gracious and merciful God who is a pardoning God like you who has grace so rich and free. We thank you that You determined the place, the time of Christ's offering himself, the saving sacrifice for us. You were there, pouring out your curse upon him so that we could be safe forever. And just as Abraham believed, You would have to raise Isaac from the dead to honour those promises. So you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. All the debt cancelled, the price paid, the blessings secured. May we rejoice in our risen Saviour and trust him with all our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. we we'll going close by singing our last hymn, At the Cross of Jesus. I would take my place, drawn by such a measure of redeeming grace. <laughs> Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit in united grace and power come to each of our hearts may we humbled by the majesty of your love be exalted and rejoice in being the target of that love. Gracious Spirit pour within our hearts the love of the Father and the Son and yourself, that we might know ourselves safe and secure in Jesus Christ. For we ask these things in his holy name. Amen.